So today we're coming to the last of the reflections that we've been having on Jesus' resurrection appearances. So in this Easter period, we've been looking at how Jesus appeared to different people, what happened as a result of that. Last week, uh, we had Neil Perry with us. He was looking at the story of Thomas. And as we know, the story of Thomas is about somebody who wasn't there when Jesus appeared. But there was a whole group of people who were there, and we're going to look at those people. In the John reading uh, that Polina brought us, we've got this dramatic scene of a group of people, frightened people, in a room, and Jesus appears to them. And there's a real theme here of the coming of the Spirit, and we're going to be going on to that, of course, when we come to Pentecost. But here Jesus, with this group of people, not knowing what's happening or what's going to happen, says some really important things to them that are very relevant to us today here in Camborne. He talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospel of John, we've got quite a lot about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who was going to come. And in the last uh, talks that Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified, uh, he talks a lot about what's going to happen, that the Holy Spirit is the one who is going to come to be with you forever. The helper is really a a good way of understanding what this work of the Holy Spirit is going to be about. It's going to be a helping work. He's going to be with you. Uh, He's going to teach you all things. He's going to speak about Jesus. He's going to testify about Jesus. And I really like this idea of helping, that the Holy Spirit's going to help. Um, Some of you know that uh, I go into Addenbrooke's Hospital uh, one day a week as a chaplain, and I'm going around uh, a lot of wards. Sometimes I, almost every time I see somebody from Camborne congregation who is working there. I don't see many people who are there as patients because we're a pretty healthy congregation on the whole, but sometimes you see a patient, but most of the people I see are helping there on the staff of Edinburgh's Hospital. And sometimes they're helping people who are helping themselves, so people are recovering and the medical staff with the different skills are alongside them and they are recovering by their own effort, but also through the help. Sometimes they're not able to do anything, and so the help is like 100% help. The, the patient isn't able to do anything. So there's different kinds of ways in which help takes place. And as chaplains, we're there to be part of that helping, to be part of that alongside people through prayer and uh, through listening. So the Holy Spirit, the helper, sometimes is there when we're really kind of pushing forward and doing new things, and he is at work in our lives in those times. But there's also times, and this does happen to us in our congregation, uh, that we just feel, as individuals, we don't know how to go on. And that's also a moment when the Holy Spirit can be with us, because he helps when we can't help ourselves, as well as when we are helping ourselves. So this whole business of the Holy Spirit 
uh, is really, really important. In, in Luke's account of this, uh, he talks especially about the people being frightened. And there's a strong emphasis here on Jesus speaking peace into the lives of this group of people. This peace is partly a calm, but partly putting things together again. It's, it's the, the old Hebrew idea of shalom, of putting things right. And this is what Jesus is saying. And he is saying it to this whole group of, of people. He's not just saying it to the individuals, although he is, but he's saying, learn something together. Learn what it means to be together. And then learn what it means to go out together, to do something together. Because he says, peace I leave with you, but as the Father has sent me, says Jesus, so I am sending you. And this group of people, and I mentioned some of them, didn't I, in setting the scene, they actually took that pretty seriously, uh, that they would be sent, they would go and do something as a team and as individuals. Did any of you see the match last night? Wow, what a team! Barcelona, I mean. Uh, There was another team there somewhere, but uh, (laughs) in theory. (laughs) But actually, they weren't much of a team, were they? The others. Our lot. Um, But Barcelona, just that that movement together as, as a team. And it was just going here and there. And the spirit is at work in, in our congregation here in Camborne. It, it is a team. The spirit comes to bring that wholeness in the team. Now, at, at times, different ones of us have different struggles, but the, the spirit in the team is what brings the peace and, and the wholeness. We're here for each other. And that's part of the whole idea about being in the room together. That they were there. Now, Thomas wasn't there, but the people were there together in the room. They were frightened. Things weren't what they'd hoped they would be, but they were together. And Jesus said, he breathed on them, and he said, peace, together. But when you learn something together, there's also something to do, to be sent out as Jesus sent, uh, as Jesus was sent by the Father. And then there's this kind of mysterious verse here. After he said that, after he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. Wow! Does anybody have that kind of power? In some church traditions, there are special people who would pronounce something, absolution, forgiveness, but maybe we're a bit wary about that. But what I do think this says to us is, we started with the idea, what's some good thing that's happened to you? And there were good things to share. Of course, there's lots of other things in our lives, but what about the good things? Isn't forgiveness a good thing? Isn't being accepted a good thing? Isn't feeling that whatever you did it's dealt with, a good thing? It is a good thing. And that's a message that we've got as Christian people. That's the message of forgiveness. It's not that we have got forgiveness in our power, but something has been given to us. And this is the whole idea of Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit and saying, 
you're receiving something. Pass it on. Go out. And this is a wonderful message. It's a fantastic message of new life, of new start, wherever we are in our lives. And so there's, there's certainly a responsibility, but there's a fantastic privilege to have that message. Let's not keep it away from people. That's the other side. You know, we could just keep this to ourselves. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. But no, it's for other people and to be shared. So the team this morning, we're that team. We're that people in this room. And we're receiving this message. We're receiving the Spirit again today because He's with us now. He's with us to do things that potentially could change the direction of our lives, but probably often slowly. That's the reason for the tortoise. You know, we're not going to do everything at once. There's a little bit of you know, step-at-a-time stuff here. Uh, but who knows what happens? For me, some of the most significant things that have happened in my life, where I've felt the power of the Spirit in my life, have been in quite small groups of people. You know, I've been to the big meetings and all that stuff. But if I think back, where do I feel God's really met with me and things have changed in my life, directions have changed, things that were wrong in my life have been put right? Usually it's with a small group of people. So I believe in small groups. I believe in missional communities. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, These are the places where things happen. But also, in the Matthew passage, where were they then? Were they still in the room? In the Matthew passage? Don't think so. They were outside. Jesus was there on the mountain or by the mountain in Bethany. And the whole feeling of that scene is they're no longer. This is really more or less the last point of of what Jesus is, is doing with the disciples. And they're no longer in the room. They're actually no longer fearful. They're still doubting a bit, but it's a different kind of feeling now. And uh, some of you were here on Easter Sunday morning. Remember we went out? And I know that's happened you know, several times in, in Camborne Church. Going out, having some worship outside, doing some walking outside. And that's the feeling, I think, in Matthew. I don't see people mentioning this much when they write about this story. But being outside, and it's like, look around. Wow, and Jesus has got something really powerful and challenging to say to them outside in this Matthew uh, account he says think about heaven think about earth think about the universe think about how big everything is Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me you know you're a little group of people in Palestine probably never been outside Palestine and now I'm telling you Think about the world. Think about the nations. And what is he saying? There's an all, all authority. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's actually happened, you know, over 2,000 years. People in all nations have become disciples of Jesus. It started in that little group of people in the Middle East. And it spread and it spread, sometimes tortoise-like, but it's going and people are going. And it's not like 
go in the sense of, I'm going to get out a big whip and I'm going to force Steve to go. That's not actually the kind of going because Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. I don't think the Father was there with a big whip with Jesus saying, get down there, you know, and Jesus saying, no way, I don't want to go down amongst that lot. No, of course, it's all working together, isn't it? There's a movement that is going on here. And we're caught up in a movement. We're going. And some people from here have gone to many places. Many people from many other places have come here. There's a lot of movement going on into these nations. And when we go, there are people who become disciples. As you know, I, most of you know, I spent with Janice some years in Eastern Europe and to see people there who had been so suppressed under atheism, uh, under regimes that uh, killed them for their faith, uh, to see those people beginning to go once they had freedom, to say, we can do something now. Uh, a little country in Eastern Europe, Moldova. Before I went to Eastern Europe, I thought Moldova only existed in James Bond films. You know, there's, there's this kind of, you know, Moldova. It's you know, where these kind of Russian women are or whatever. And, um, uh, and then there's actually a place, you know, and it's, it's a kind of poor place. But Christianity, uh, evangelical faith spreading and people saying, hey, where, where can we go to, to take this message elsewhere and into Central Asia and, and places uh, where it's difficult? So people are going, and we're part of that. And it's certainly no way the story today of just the West you know, going out with our message and our wealth and our way of organizing things. People are moving around the world. And, and we may say, well, I'm not going to be one of those people. But going can be going down the road, can't it? It can be going to a neighbor. It can be going to somebody who's in need. It's about all of us being part of this amazing drawing people, encouraging people to be disciples. There's a story from the second century a story about uh, Justin. And uh, Justin, as a young man, uh, his parents were Greek, but he was born in Palestine. And uh, he went to university in Ephesus to study, and he was really searching. And you've got to think when you go back to the New Testament and the early uh, period of the church in the second century, particularly now, um, you're talking about a multi-faith context. There's lots of options that people could look at. Lots of faiths, lots of pathways. And Justin began to explore all this. Uh, and he began to ask one teacher what he thought, and he wasn't satisfied. He went to another teacher who just wanted more money from him. And he went to another teacher with a very rigid kind of program that he should go through. And he was just getting confused. And he said, I was walking on the beach, and I met an old man. And he was a Christian. I'd heard about these Christians, Justin said. We're in the second century now. And he said, I knew some of them were actually dying for their faith. But he said, there were lots of bad stories being put around about Christians. 
but the more I questioned this old man, he said, the more I became convinced this is the truth. Justin became a Christian, and he became one of the great defenders of the Christian faith in the second century by his writings. He wrote about uh, how Christianity could stand up in the public arena as truth. And he also describes uh, his own congregation. So he was part of a congregation like this, probably about the size of this. He said, we met to hear teaching. Uh, People spoke to us. We had the Lord's Supper, he says, because we've got this writings. And he said, then we had an offering. He said, we looked after the orphans and the widows and the sick people and the poor people and the prisoners and the strangers. It's all there in what Justin said in the second century about his journey to be a disciple, to be baptized, to be part of this amazing community of people. We're part of that. Jesus is sending us wherever we're going this week. He's sending us. All authority belongs to him. And he says, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. The end of the age hasn't come yet. So I take it from that that we're still on that journey with him.